You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. All right. Who had a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I had some smoked turkey. Never done that before. It was excellent. But we are so excited you are here for our new series, Hashtag Blessed. Welcome to those watching at home as well. And in college, I was not a reader. I didn't even buy books after my freshman year and still graduated. Kids buy books. That's, that's the right thing to do. But I didn't. I wasn't a reader. And so for a book to come out for me to be excited about was a big deal. And so I, I heard about this book that I was super pumped for. It was called The Bible Jesus Read. They found it. They found Jesus' Bible. I wonder if his name's engraved on the cover. I wonder if you can open it up and see which pages he has highlighted, which verses are most important to him, which ones are dog-eared because he goes to it so often. This must be an amazing book. Somehow they found it, probably in a desert somewhere, I'm thinking, and then they bound it and mass-produced it. And so I, I got this book and I opened it, the Bible Jesus read, and it was just about the Old Testament because that's the Bible that Jesus would have read and heard in the temple, Genesis and Proverbs and Psalms and I was a little disappointed because I was really hoping to have that Bible, the physical Bible that Jesus read. My name's Andy Lynch. I'm your Connections Pastor, and I got duped by a book title. And it's probably not the first time, not going to be the last time that it happens, but you can trust me. I really have some good things to share with you because I have the same things you have as followers of Jesus. We have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit to help us with that. And so today we're going to uncover some really cool stories. Perhaps you've heard them, perhaps you haven't, but we're kicking off our new series. It's our Christmas series. It's called Hashtag Blessed. Holly did a great job setting it up. What does that really mean? You know, when we see that on Twitter, does it just mean a Division I athlete signed with a college and they're blessed because they got that offer? Is there so much more to it? Well, today we're going to try and dig into this idea of blessing. We, we prayed and thank God for our blessings over Thanksgiving, perhaps. We say a blessing at the meal, but it's so much more than that. As I began that book, The Bible Jesus Read, I was thinking, do I really need to know about the Old Testament? I mean, we're, we're Christians. It's a New Testament. This is what matters most. Jesus came, and so we don't have to worry about the laws and all that Old Testament stuff. Well, over the past several months, there have been several different ways that God has been showing me that the Old Testament not only matters, but it is pivotal for me to understand the entire story. We are part of that story right now. We're part of that timeline until Jesus returns. And so we want to understand all of it. Did you know that in Revelation, there are over 400 references to the Old Testament? So if you want to know about the end times, you got to know about the beginning. You got to go back and look, and it all makes more sense then. Want to know why Jesus came, why we needed a Savior, a Messiah? Got to read the Old Testament. There's all kinds of clues about who he would be and what he came to do. How about identity? We talked about that last week. Pastor Matt did such a great job unpacking that we're created in God's image and that he knit us together in that secret place. And you are not an accident. To know about identity, we gotta go back to the beginning. And so as I thought through those different clues that I was learning and learning over and over, it was a voice, it was a, a, from, from a friend, it was a Bible study I was leading, it was, it was the, the words of scripture. God was saying you gotta learn the Old Testament. 
And at first, whenever something like that happened, whenever you know, God was trying to push me to do something, it was annoying, to be honest. I don't, I don't know if I wanna do that, God. I'm in Alaska, I'm a broadcaster on TV, and that's my dream and my goal and my life, and you want me to leave that to be a missionary? But eventually, he would wear me down, and it was tiring to hear these messages. Yeah, that, that person that's really hard to love, you need to love them, and not just love them, but be their friend. And eventually, God would wear me down, and I'd, I'd surrender like a, on the boxing mat. All right, I surrender, you win. But over time, as I've gotten to know God more and know that he is a loving father who wants to bless me, that attitude has changed and I find it somewhat refreshing when, when all of a sudden I hear the same message coming from different people and different things and it lines up with God's scriptures, his word. I find it very helpful to my heart and my mind and my soul that my creator wants to tell me something. I'm finding that I'm learning to listen. I'm learning to listen to the God of the universe and he wants to speak to me, which is so cool. And he wants to speak to each one of you, those of you watching at home as well. So this season, as we are hashtag blessed, let's listen for the voice of our Savior, the one we celebrate during this season. So why has the Old Testament been so ever-present in my life? Why does it matter? Why do I need to know this, God? Well, the Bible Project answers that question for me and perhaps Perhaps it'll answer the question for you as well. Does the Old Testament matter? Do I need to study it or learn it? The Bible Project says, I need to understand the story Jesus thinks he's a part of. Think about that. The Bible Jesus read, that Old Testament is the story, not just of before him, but he is a part of it as a Jewish male fulfilling the prophecies to be the Lord and Savior of the world. He's part of that story. He thinks he's part of that story. That story's important to him, so it should be important to us as well. I need, we need to read the Bible Jesus read. To understand the end, we must understand the beginning. And a major theme we see throughout the Bible is this idea of hashtag blessed. God wants to bless his children. That's what you're gonna be hearing a lot about this next month, that God wants to bless his children. How does that make you feel? Does it surprise you that you'd hear that here at Kingsway? Does it make you recoil like, oh, I don't know that he wants to bless me. Does he know what I've done? I think he does. I don't know that he still wants to bless me. Do you find yourself saying, maybe he wants to bless the good people, but not me? I've said that. Or maybe deep down in your heart, you're not gonna verbalize it to anyone but you might be feeling right now, he, he hasn't blessed me. And I just want to say to you that we're glad you're here. And hopefully over this next month, you'll see that yes, even you, he wants to bless. I've thought all those thoughts. I've felt unblessed. I've felt unfavored by God. I've said them out loud. I've yelled them at the top of my lungs. God, are you serious? This is blessing. I thought it in Alaska, in Nome, Alaska, of all places, the end of the Iditarod sled dog race. It's the world's most famous sled dog race. 
I got to cover it for the TV station I was working for, and it was cold, <laughs> winter, snowy. Nome, you can, you can stand on the coast of Nome and see Russia on a clear day. It's true. I didn't get to do it because it was cloudy and dark in Alaska. But I got in the airplane that I flew out in, took two hours to fly to the end of that I did a rod race. I did my job at four o'clock in the morning. I was done. I got back in that six-seater airplane and the pilot who I just met flying out there took the tarp, the tarp that covers the airplane in Alaska, an all-weather tarp to make sure the plane doesn't get damaged or snowed upon or rained upon. He took that tarp and put it on me. And he said, you're going to need this. The heater's out. <laughs> in February, in Alaska, snow-covered ground. And so I, I wore that thing, and it took two hours to get out. It took four and a half hours for us to fly back because it was so windy. I could not feel my fingers and my toes. I kept moving my legs just to try and keep feeling in my body. I blacked out a few times. I wondered if, if this is what it feels like to freeze to death. And then I landed at a little airport and no one was there to greet me. And I opened my car door and turned the car on and cranked the heat and just sat there shivering. And if I, after 15 minutes or so, a little bit of heat started coming out and I said, God, is this what it means to be blessed? I don't think so. I'm alone in Alaska and I'm frozen. I'm alive. I guess that's something. As I look back on that moment, I see a little more clearly. It still is miserable, but I can just imagine our good father who can see everything, who understands the past, the present, the future, who knows it all, looking down and saying, let me, let me read you a story, Andy. Let me read you a story so you get a little perspective. And like a good father, he maybe takes me by the warm fire to warm me up, and we read from Genesis. We read it last week. So good. God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In his image, the image of God, he created the male and female. And listen to this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God blessed them. Not only did he bless them, he gave them a kingdom. We get to rule over the animals and tend the soil and take care of everything that he created. Can you imagine applying for a job and you don't think it's a great job. It's just a job. And the owner of the company says, all right, you're in charge of everything. Everything you see. Take care of it, not just take care of it, multiply it. I am blessing you so you can go bless. That's what God is doing here at creation. It begins with a blessing. But what is a blessing? It sounds like a very American word. Oh, I'm so blessed. That turkey was amazing. Blessed. Big TV, I'm blessed. Whenever we have questions, we go to where? Gotquestions.org, of course. But, but honestly, it does give a pretty good synopsis of these two words we see for blessed in the Greek. The word, I wrote it phonetically here, <laughs> makarios is used in both the Old and New Testament to find a kind of happiness that comes from receiving favor from God. So fortunate, happy, favored by God. 
The second one, which we'll talk about a little more today, eulogal looks kind of like eulogy. So good words spoken about someone at a funeral, a good report. We see the word eulogal in Ephesians 1.3, blessing God for all the blessings he gives us in Christ Jesus. We see it in 1 Peter 3.9, instructing us to bless those who mistreat us because we then are called to receive a blessing from God when that happens. The bottom line is this, God desires to bless us in Christ, we said that, and then use us to bless others. And it makes sense, the one who is capable of blessing his children as much as humanly and unhumanly possible can fill us up, can fill us with the blessing of God, his presence, and then we can go and do the same and fill others because God has filled us first. It's a beautiful process. It makes sense. And we see this idea of blessing all throughout Scripture. We just read about him blessing mankind. He blessed the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is that seventh day of rest when we're supposed to not do any kind of work. And think about it back in that time. What a blessing when you're laboring and toiling and you don't have farm machinery and you're taking care of all these crops and working so hard for six days. And God says, now you rest. Now you take time and rest. And he still wants us to rest today and give us that day to, to rest, to refuel, to play, to be nourished. It's a blessing to us. It's for our good. He blessed Abraham. He said to Abraham, look at the stars in the sky. Look at the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be that numerous. That's a blessing, he blessed the nation of Israel and set it up in the Old Testament, the Bible Jesus read, to be a special place, his special people. There's so much blessing all throughout scripture. But I wanna pause because during a series like this, we don't want to think that blessing just means material wealth and prosperity. It's so easy to go there when we talk about Abraham, when we talk about the garden and all the blessings around that God set up for Adam and for Eve. It's not just about that. Because when we look at the life of Jesus, a man who had no home, he said, a man who was persecuted, a man who suffered, a man who died and didn't deserve death, he suffered. And so I really wanna hold these two camps together. There is suffering and blessing, and they can go together. They are not mutually exclusive. They are not opposites. If you don't feel blessed, that's a feeling. You might be suffering. It's okay. Jesus suffered, and he was a blessing to us because of his suffering. So let's not think about those two things as separate. Let's see how they can work together throughout this series how we can say hashtag blessed in the midst of our suffering, like Paul did. And that brings us to our story this morning. It's a pivotal part in this blessing timeline, where this month we're gonna look at some of the characters of Christmas. And these really are the first two that Luke talks about. As I get to this point, as I was thinking and preparing I felt like I was in a movie. Have you ever seen one of these movies where 
the narrator begins the movie and he's giving all the background or she's giving all the storyline and kind of introducing you to different characters and there's music playing and then you jump into present day. I feel like all we've talked about, that's the setup. There's this blessing timeline that God created at creation and now we're gonna see where we are in the present day, which is actually a year before Jesus was born. That's where our story picks up. So if you have your Bible, feel free to pull it out. It's the first chapter of Luke, and we're gonna focus on a couple. It's getting up there in age. I don't know if they would have been uh, preparing the turkey. Maybe, 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 maybe they would have, I don't know. But they were up there in age. No kids. Zechariah seems to be a faithful servant of God. As we look at Luke 1, verse 6, it says, Both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. You think about that couple in the community that you just admire. Like they go to all the basketball games. And they just seem to always give when your kids go to the door to ask for, to sell Girl Scout cookies or wrapping paper or candles or whatever you're selling this week. They're that couple. They're that couple in the neighborhood that just always seems to be the pillar. Are they blessed? Seems like it. Are they prosperous? Let's read the next verse. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Have you been there? Maybe you're like Zachariah, faithfully going to work, maybe going to work a little early each day, and you, you do your job. You haven't done anything wrong. You've been a good employee, a good servant, a good husband, and then you get home, and, and there's just a sadness around the house. I mean, Elizabeth, back in that day, the, the woman of the household would take care of the kids and keep all the cooking going and keep everything clean, and, and so without kids to take care of, you know, you can only sweep a dirt floor a few times and it's still dirt. What was, what was Elizabeth's mindset? How did she feel? Think about family get-togethers, big families back in that day. Oh, there's, uh, there's Elizabeth and Zachariah. No kids. They're barren. How hard would that be? Think about as they walked to the temple, what are their whispers? wonder what they did that they're cursed without children, when children were such a legacy. Maybe you've been there as well. Maybe it's that conversation that you and your spouse just don't have anymore because it always ends up in an argument or you just don't have the right answer. Maybe you lived at a Thanksgiving dinner and Uncle Cletus said it again. Here he goes down his political war path and we just gotta get through that. Life is hard. Life is messy. We're people. And it was hard for Zechariah, hard for Elizabeth. But we see him being so dutiful. Verse 8 once, when Zechariah's division, he was a priest, when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot. So think the word lottery. It would be chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. When you read that, you might be like, okay, seems like a normal day in church. He's a priest, he gets to burn incense. 
What's the big deal? That's what I thought too, until I started to look into it more. If we had a narrator for our movie, he would jump in right now and he'd be like, oh, but this was no normal day. This was a special day. You're a priest. You only get to burn incense one time in your lifetime. Let's zoom back to Exodus, where God is setting up the different roles of the temple priests. In the beginning, it was just Aaron, that's Moses' brother, and Aaron's sons. They were the priests of the land at the time. And so in Exodus 30, verse 7, this is where the incense comes in. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for generations to come. There's something about this process that connects the natural to the supernatural. The process of burning the incense, we read later in Revelation in the New Testament that incense, that people's prayers, the saints' prayers, followers of Jesus, their prayers are like incense before God. They're a sweet aroma, it says in the New Testament. And so there's something very deep and powerful in this natural process of burning incense that goes into the supernatural. It's something special. And not only is it a special process, but it's taking place right outside of the Holy of Holies. I think we have a picture of the temple. And so the Holy of Holies, that's a curtain. So right behind that curtain is where the high priest could only go once a year and had to be completely cleansed and they would meet with God once a year. Just outside that curtain is where the altar of the incense would be. And so you are right outside the door of God's presence. This is so important. Now, we talked about Aaron and his three sons when this all began. Fast forward to the time of our story. There are at least 18,000 priests at that point. Maybe as many as 32,000. We don't know for sure. But all throughout Israel, there would be like, you think of the National Guard. When you're called in to do the duty, then it's your time. And so you only get called in twice a year to be a priest that gets to just do any of the duties around the temple. Now to burn the incense, that's just one person. And once you got to do it, you were done. There was no other chance for you to do it in your lifetime. So this is literally the biggest day for a priest. He's gotta be fired up. But he might also be a little bit nervous. Because remember that picture? You have to be completely sinless, completely washed clean. If you go back to Exodus 29, and you go through the rituals and the different things that the priest had to do to cleanse themselves, to offer these sacrifices, to make sure that they were sinless and blameless before God because a holy God cannot have any sin around them. The things you had to do, maybe you're a little nervous that I hope I, I, hope I confessed everything. And I can't help but wonder, Zachariah, as he's going into that room, is he wondering in his mind, in his heart of hearts, did we do something wrong? Did we sin? And that's why Elizabeth can't have kids. This could be my greatest day ever, burning the incense. Or it could be my last day if there's sin in me and God just wipes me out because he's holy and I know I'm not. Cue the narrator now. I imagine James Earl Jones being my narrator. He's got such a great voice. Field of Dreams is one of my favorites. I'm not gonna try and impersonate it because... 
You'd just laugh at me, it'd be bad. But imagine James Earl Jones saying, Zachariah thought he knew what he was getting into, but he was in for an even bigger surprise. And then it goes to commercial break and you're on the edge of your seat. Where, what's the surprise? What's gonna happen? Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So he's inside that room, the holy, holy, holy place. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Oh no, why is the angel here? What did I do? I am gonna die. This is not a good situation. I've never heard about an angel being here. But look at the angel right away, just like the angel did for the shepherds. He did for Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. And you're to call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah. That's one of their great prophets, their heroes, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, have you seen the movie Home? Best day ever. Not only do I get to burn incense, but we're not gonna be barren anymore. We're gonna have a son, and not only are we gonna have a son, but he's gonna be like the greatest kid ever, apparently. What is happening here? How would you have responded? Here's what Zechariah says. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Man, he responds with doubts. He doesn't seem to believe. Do you have that friend that you come to with a great idea and they're like, yeah, but you might die. Like they're pessimistic about everything. Are you that person? Stop it. <laughs> Let's encourage each other. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so I can't stand that. You know, I gotta, I gotta be positive, but, but wow. What's Zachariah thinking? The next verse, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah? Wow. Is that harsh? I mean, he just asked a question. We ask questions, right? Are we not allowed to ask questions, God? I want you to notice something. These last few words. Which will come true? Zachariah's doubt does not derail God's plans. And that is so powerful to me because I know I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna be tired this afternoon. I might snap at one of my kids and, and I don't want like their whole life to be changed because of that. God's plans are still going to be carried out. That's good news. It's not pressure on us. Hear that today. 
They will come true. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Can you imagine when he got home? Was his head kind of down as Elizabeth welcomed him at the door? Can't hear you, honey. <laughs> but it's good news for Elizabeth. Take a look at verse 24. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. For five months, she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor, his blessing, taken away my disgrace among the people. Huh. I don't really know how to feel right now. On one hand, Elizabeth feels free. She's not full of shame anymore. She's been given a child that she's always dreamed of. But then we have Zechariah. Is there hope for him? Later on in the New Testament, we learn about one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas. And Thomas, after Jesus is raised from the dead, says, I don't believe until I can put my fingers in the nail holes of Jesus. And poor Thomas has been called Doubting Thomas for that ever since. Forget Doubting Thomas. Is this Doubting Zachariah? Is this going to be his legacy? It was seen in the book of Luke Schiff's. This is kind of up in the air. What's going to happen to Zachariah? The book then focuses on Elizabeth and Mary and their gender reveal parties as they both find out they're pregnant. And I don't know if they had balloons back then, blue and pink. But they're moms that are excited, first-time moms who have literally been hashtag blessed by God. But it's a long nine months for Zechariah. He's silent. And the Bible is silent about him and his outcome. I imagine a video montage of Elizabeth's belly growing and Zachariah in the corner kind of sullen. What did I do? Well, at least she's happy. What will happen? Time passes till verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. What a beautiful occasion. It's come to fruition, this promise from God. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Is that a good sign? Your name is passed down through your firstborn sometimes, and so that's a good thing, right? There's heritage there that at least his name will be passed along, even if he can't speak. Seems like a good sign, but his mother, in verse 60, spoke up, and Elizabeth said, no, he is to be called John. Now, we know a little bit of the story already, but the friends and neighbors, maybe they don't because they, they think there might be trouble in the household. Are these two fighting? Is she trying to usurp the authority of Zechariah and not allow his legacy to continue? Is she mad at him? Look at what they say in verse 61. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. In the beginning of our story, all eyes are on Zechariah because he has been bestowed upon this beautiful honor. He is hashtag blessed because he gets to burn the incense and this is the greatest day of his life and it's gonna be amazing. And now all eyes are on him again. But I don't know that they're the same. 
I wonder if people have a little disdain for Zechariah. Are they curious? He's been mute for nine months. He hasn't been able to speak. Are they, are they judging him? Do they wonder what will become of his legacy? Will he stew in his muteness and at least carry on the legacy of his name? He asked for a writing tablet. Everybody leaned in. Writing tablet looked just like this. To everyone's astonishment, Zachariah wrote, his name is John. The next word is immediately. After he wrote that, immediately his mouth was opened. Immediately. The tongue was set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard and wondered about it asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Hashtag blessed. What an ending. All of a sudden he can talk and you know the first word that Zachariah says after nine months of muteness. He says the word blessed. Eulogau. He felt blessed by God. In his suffering, there must have been some amazing communion between him and his father because his first words were blessed. A good report telling everyone how blessed he is. He and Elizabeth, they must have communicated. Their marriage was was probably okay. They were on the same page. His name's gonna be John. That's what the angel told us to name him. And because of that, we have this man named John the Baptist. That's how we know of him today. And he is so pivotal in this story because he would be the one that would prepare the way for the Messiah, the much-awaited Savior of the world. Look at Isaiah for verse, or chapter 40, verse three, a voice of one calling in the desert. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. They're talking about John. No wonder he was compared to Elijah. No wonder the Holy Spirit was on him before he was born because he had a pivotal role in this blessing timeline for God to set right what was messed up in the garden. He wants the blessings to continue. And that doesn't mean there won't be suffering. But it means God is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us if we are followers of Jesus. And so the movie closes. You sit in your seats after enduring this emotional roller coaster, and you're so excited for Zachariah, and you can't wait for the sequel where John grows up with Jesus, and who knows what kind of games they play together, and, and then they interact as adults, and, and this beautiful story is coming together, and God has blessed his people once again. There's something powerful about speaking. As soon as his tongue was loosed, he said, blessed. If he had Twitter, hashtag blessed, I'm back. <laughs> and there's another powerful passage about speaking in Romans. Chapter 10, verses nine and 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. 
Zechariah professed both his doubt with his mouth, and then he lost his voice. And then his first words were professing his faith, his blessing. And here today, you have an opportunity to do that. If you're not a child of God, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that today as our Connect team gets into place. You have that chance to just say, I want the blessing, God. I know it doesn't mean my life's gonna be perfect, but I need you to lead my life because I can't do it. I need you to forgive me because I can't do it. Only you, Jesus, can do that. And so we're gonna give you that opportunity today, watch it at home online or here in the room. If you all close your eyes, bow your heads, this is a personal decision between you and your creator, between you and God. And if you would like to experience his blessing, if you would like to be filled with his fruit of the spirit, the joy and the peace and the love and the kindness that all comes with that, just raise your hand right now. Raise it high so that our Connect team can come to you and connect with you and we'll talk more after the service. Raise your hand. God, as we are here in this place, it is a joy for us to declare with our mouth that you are Lord and we believe in our hearts, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead and we celebrate Christmas with such open and pure hearts here today. Lord, I want us to reflect on your goodness, to reflect on your blessing and to reflect on the fact that Zachariah's doubt did not make him unfavored. You are our God that favors us and blesses us. And so, Father, we commit our lives to you. Help us to bless others as you have blessed us. In Jesus' name, amen.